This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Alright, alright, party people in the place to be. Welcome back to Nerds from the Underground. Like usual, I'm Johnny, and joining me this very special, exceptional night, I have... Michael. Also known as Poet Aaron. Poet Aaron, man, what what do we got on the table tonight, man? This is going to be a pretty exciting episode, right? Today, yeah, today we're going to talk about the film adaptation of The Old Guard, which was based on the book written by Greg Rucka, and it's also screenplay by Greg Rucka, and directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood. I'm pretty pumped to type to talk about this movie with you. Right on. But before we get into that, it's time for the check-in. Michael, what is the coolest thing you read this week? The coolest thing I read this week, well, it's two things. But the first one is Bliss by Sean Lewis and Caitlin Yarsky. It's got that vibe of old-school vertigo that me and you were talking about that we miss. And the art by Yarsky is great. It's a, one of those first issues where as soon as I read it, the world's so well established within 22 pages that I just can't wait to dive into the next issue. And it's I'm really excited for Sean Lewis as a writer. I've always dug his stuff, and this this new project really seems to be almost like his opus that he's working on, and it really got me hooked in. And the second one was Panorama, which is a trade that Michelle Fife made, the creator that has done Copra and other projects. And it's basically like a Stuart Gordon and David Cronenberg body horror film, similar to Reanimator or like Existence or The Fly, but done by Michelle Fife. And it's absolutely great. The art's fantastic. It's all in black and white. And if you're a fan of old 80s horror movies like that, it'll really fit your appetite. I mean... I was really blown away by it. Might be my favorite project Fife's done so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his as well, since Zegra's. I love the art style. It's got like this really kind of 90s aesthetic to it, I think. It kind of reminds me of stuff like Flaming Carrot that I remember reading at that time. Yeah, it reminds me of Flaming Carrot. It almost kind of reminds me of old school TMNT, just those old 90s artists. Even Yojimbo sometimes, especially with the newer book, a lot of the art kind of reminds me of it. But it's it's a little... His art's a little more refined in this one. It's not as cartoony as Capra or even his previous books, but it's still got his style in it. It's it's definitely a blast from the past. I love everything he's done. Right on, right on. And for me, I'm going to go ahead and just mention a book that I pulled out of my stack and read yesterday. It's called Gearhead. It was written by Dennis Hopeless and it was published by Booms Archaea online. And it's just a really fun book. If you like stuff like Motor Crush or Death or Glory, you know, um cute girls, fast cars, bad girl stuff. I mean it's it delivers on all that goodness and I just totally had a blast with it. That's awesome. I'm intrigued to read that too because I actually haven't read any old school Indie stuff by Hopeless. Oh, man, you should check one out that he did called Love Struck. It's the first thing of his I read. It was an original graphic novel image put out. And it's like this punk girl who, it's very vertigo. She becomes a cherub, basically kind of like a Cupid. And whenever she talks to God, she sees him as Joey Ramone, which I, I thought was like hilarious. And it's just a really neat book. I'm actually kind of surprised by a lot of his big two stuff that I've read because he's really got a imagination and it sometimes it doesn't really bleed through on his bigger works. So if you are at least intrigued in what he could do, like definitely check out some of his more weird indie esoteric graphic novels because the guy's got a knack. Joey Ramone sold me on that right away. And I mean, I always want to read a creator when they have more creative freedom. Right, right. But for now, 
let's get into the old guard. And since the movie is so faithful to the comic book, I'm just going to go ahead and intro it just like I would. I'm going to read the solicit from the book. That's cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. The Old Guard, book one, opening fire. Like Michael said, written by Greg Rucka. Art and cover by Lindro Fernandez. Colors by Daniela Miwa. Lettered by Jody Wynn. And edited by Alejandro Arbonia. Okay. It's a story about time and age and ages. And about friendship and love and regret. It's a story about two women and three men who cannot die. Mostly, their names are Andy, Nick, Joe, Booker, and Niall. They are soldiers, and their war never ends. They've been everywhere, seen everything, and fought in virtually every conflict through to present day. For centuries, they have kept their existence hidden, never staying in one place too long, always moving from mission to mission. But today, the shadows aren't so dark, and they are about to learn that secrets are impossible to keep. And you absolutely do not want to get in their way when these secrets are laid bare. So what did you think of it? The film? Yeah. I actually really liked it. Yeah, I mean, It was probably one of my most anticipated films of the year, which was weird because everybody was like, well, it's just like going to be a Netflix thing. I'm like, yeah, but it's like a Netflix thing that I'm really excited for. And to tell you the truth, you might need to revoke my dude card, but I've never really quite been a fan of Charlize Theron. But I thought she was utterly terrific in this movie. I thought she played the character near to perfection, and her fight scenes were incredible. What did you think, dog? Yeah, no, she was great in it. I love the movie. I'm a fan of all of Rucka's work. I'm a fan of the original comic. And just all the casting was done so well. Charlize Theron's great as Andy. I mean, I already have liked her. I loved her as Furiosa. But she really did the role of Andy well. Like, in the different emotions he kind of shows with the different the different aspects of what Andy has to go through during the movie and in the book. I thought it was so close to the original comic that it was almost like seeing the comic brought to life, which is something that's great with Rucka because a lot of his stories are written. And I think the transitions a lot easier from page to screen than other projects just like lazarus i think would make a great movie or netflix series this made such a great film he is so obsessive about procedure and procedural things that yeah like almost everything kind of comes out cinematic because like he's a slave to procedure which really helps him out in the long run and yeah he's had a pretty good run of adaptations this year both stumptown and old guard both kicked mad asses so yeah both great and i think i think he's had a lot of creative development with them which i think is great the writer actually being able to write the scripts and be there on set the only problem i kind of had with the movie is that the comic book is colored just so vividly and wonderfully and the movie it, it wasn't quite that way but then again i don't know like if they tried to go you know like action film that's lit like an old italian giallo film everybody would just say they're ripping off john wick but now, it is what the comic looked like. But, so, but. And then if they didn't, yeah, they may have could have, could, like you said, they could have either said they ripped off John Wick or just kind of pushed some people away with that kind of color dynamic. And I, I think they just went for that kind of Marvel filter, which I do agree the comic book is much brighter. But one of my favorite things about it definitely has to be Marwan Gonzari as Joe. It's such a perfect rendition of the character from the comic, and he had so many great lines in it. The part where he's, uh, I really like the part where they're captured. The van scene? Yeah, where they ask if Nikki's his boyfriend, and then he goes off into that monologue, and it was fantastic. <laughs> just by letting us... Yeah, he should get an award for that, because there was just such passion and emotion to it. Like, you felt it. Just like, dude, you're an infant, and your response was infantile. Is he my boyfriend, dude? Like, it, that doesn't even 
sum up just a little bit of it. And yeah, it was great. And then I love the scene after that where like, yeah, they just open the van doors and everybody in there is dead, but they're just sitting there laughing. And then they get on the airplane. They're like, hey, look, man, they got a TV in here. All right. <laughs> what? No champagne? I just thought both the actor that played Nikki and Joe were both amazing. Actually, the whole thing was casted well. Booker was really good, too. You actually felt for him and understood why he did what he did. Yeah, just the same thing as a comic book. What happened with his son and just trying to stop that pain in people. And Matthias Schoenart, who played him, is he does a lot of great films. I believe he's Dutch or German, but he's done a lot of foreign language films where he's fantastic, and he really did make you feel for Booker. It wasn't like you were angry at him for what he did. You had an understanding, like you said, and you just kind of felt for him. And the way that even the group, the way they convey the emotions between them and what he did was great. Not that typical angry, you know, he would betray us kind of emotions, but more of understanding as well, but still being giving him the punishment, which... He did that whole scene at the end great, too. Him and Charlize Theron scene, I really enjoyed. Her and him had great chemistry on screen together. You actually believe that, like, they'd hung out together for years and stuff when they're in the cave and she's like dude you knew Rodan and he's like yeah you probably knew her biblically and she like smacks him and like they giggle and shit like it looked like that they were actually friends you know like you know talking shit and I thought that's kind of hard to do sometimes with you know especially in some of these cheaper Netflix movies definitely and I feel like this Netflix movie had a lot more care and put into it I think it definitely had a higher budget and they're definitely hit or miss with Netflix you're either getting something that's great or you get something like mute where you're just like, how, how did this movie happen? And with this, it was just so well done. Nothing was done cheap, especially with a comic adaptation, too. I'm glad they took it so seriously as well. I was very, very like worried going into it because the last Netflix movie I watched was Last Days of American Crime. And yeah, sorry to our good friend Rick Remender. We love you, Rick. But yeah, he just does not have luck with adaptations and especially that one, man. But everything that was wrong with Last Days of American Crime, like none of it was present with this. It was just on point. They didn't try to add stupid things to the story. They left it the way it was. Actually, they, they padded it a little bit because like it would have been a shorter runtime. But it's really hard to find the parts that, like they actually added. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, it's very small and brief parts and really they just add to the whole story. Also, I think it did so well as it just tried to do the story of the book and then execute it perfectly and execute it. Basically, I think a lot is Rucka doing the screenplay and they just execute the story that Rucka envisioned. And it feels like his story, whereas other movies, I feel like they tried to copy his style, which was kind of what I felt with We Love You, Rick, that last adaptation we were talking about, that it seemed like they were trying to take a story and add like a Quentin Tarantino vibe to the original book we're gonna get off topic for a second but yeah they tried to add way too much to it they they gave the main character a brother that somehow the other guy the brother speaks with a perfect english accent in that movie he's clearly american and edgar ramirez is clearly not american i mean they couldn't have just cast a brother that was of the same ethnicity as the main character i don't understand like first you had this character and then you cast someone it's clearly not his brother. And then they had to like tie it to the the job, and oh man, they just added so many plot devices that just tore apart what was like probably one of the funnest noir graphic novels to come out in its time period. Like Last Days of American Crime rocks. It's fantastic. The actual comic is amazing. Yeah. But yeah, back to Netflix at hand. They also did another one. Like they adapted probably my most hated graphic novel I've ever read. It's called Q Dad. It was written by the Russo brothers. Oni put it out it came out earlier this year starring chris hemsworth it's called extraction the film for it and much like last days of american crime they changed so much of that book 
But the good thing about that is they actually took out all the parts that were shit about the book and made a damn fine film out of it. I mean, it's almost as good as The Old Guard is, man. It's like a legit badass action film. So Netflix is very hit or miss. It's really weird with these adaptations. Yeah, I have to watch that. Yeah, it's, it really seems like I think what the, the problem is, it's almost too much creative control. Because a lot of times I hear they'll just let the creators do whatever they want. Sometimes that's good in the case of The Old Guard and Extraction. And then sometimes that's bad in cases of Mute or Last Days of American Crime, where sometimes I think you do kind of need that producer and they're going, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Straight up. Like, but, um, don't cast a brother of a different ethnicity that's not in the book to add some story elements that don't need to be there. Just keep, keep it yeah. simple. Yeah. <laughs> This is Last Days of American Crime, not Geostorm, all right? It's okay to, like, get a different nationality brother to play Gerard Butler's brother. (laughs) I think, though, which we were talking about this yesterday, I think that those actors actually are both Scottish. I'm not sure what the other guy is, but he's just doing an American accent better. But I feel like Jim Sturgis might also be the same from the same place as Gerard Butler, but he's just sounding like he's from Florida. Okay. Also reminds me, like, yeah, there was this movie called, like, We Are the Night, where they had Ed Norton and Colin Farrell as brothers. And it's like, this right, this guy's my brother. Yeah, he's my brother. That's what I said with brothers, mate. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you get a fucking Irish guy and, like, the probably the most Midwestern Ned Flanders sounding motherfucker you can and try to be like, these guys are brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or even just look at Edward Norton and Colin Farrell. <laughs> one of them had a different parent. I'm not sure which one did, but someone was cheating, and it seems like the mother was cheating because they think they're brothers. I mean, <laughs> oh man, that movie. I do remember that movie. Colin Farrell's like the corrupt cop, and Ed, Ed Norton's like the good cop, I think right? So yeah, something like that. I didn't watch yeah. the film. I just remember the trailer and laughing about that. Like they don't even like sound alike, man. Like how are you gonna honestly? It's, it's hilarious. So they and Hollywood keeps doing it. So Chris Evans and Jessica Alba were supposed to be brother and sister from the same parents. Remember that? Yeah, it was believable. They she dyed her hair blonde. And they did kind of white paint her. They did. It's probably not politically correct now, but they definitely white-faced Jessica Alba and gave her blue eye contacts. Back to Old Guard, wasn't it actually like a big deal for Netflix because a woman of color directed this, right? And it's kind of a big deal because she's the first... Yeah, Gina Price Blythewood, who is fantastic. She directed an old film, which you probably remember, called Love and Basketball, which is great, which is from the 90s, yeah. And she's the first one to ever do a superhero movie, though, right? Or a comic book movie, which is kind of a really cool first of. Yep, she is the first African-American director to do a comic book movie, and that's really great that Netflix took the step and did that. It's too bad that it was on Netflix, because even if the Plague Times wasn't happening, this movie still wouldn't have been in theaters. But that's a damn shame, because this would have been a good one, man. Like, the sound design's really spot on. Like, there's some good music in it like it would have it had been a pulse pounding film to see in a, in a theater but i agree the ending and how it ends just gave me goosebumps just kind of the way they end it and then with all those photos on the wall and i actually imagined sitting in a theater and how pumped they would have been getting out of the movie actually watching in a theater i would have been pretty uh, rocked by that and been excited to see more hopefully they do more which i think they probably will it's doing great on netflix yeah 
And it just was so full of neat little details from the book. I like that they actually gave her her axe from the comic. And now all, all the characters actually had like the proper warrior weapons that like they use for melee in it. And I thought that, that was really cool because that's something a lot of other directors and other movies kind of skip. You know what I mean? They just give them all like regular swords. But like Nikki, he straight up had like a, a crusader sword. And Joe had a, I forget what, what those type of Middle Eastern swords are called and stuff. And the curved blades. Yeah, I forget what they're called too, but he had the correct sword as well. Just little stuff like that that really drove it over because like her axe design is killer anyways that's probably half the reason why i was like so excited when i saw the first issue and i was just like that axe is badass and i like how they added it but did it almost like a treat for the comic readers like it wasn't throwing in your face but if you did read the comic it was like a little reward noticing those details and i also liked that like even if she didn't have her axe she was still badass with an axe because like that one scene where she just grabs the one out of the fire one and she just like goes and starts jacking dudes up in the building like that was an awesome scene all the fight scenes were man like they went they must have got like the fight choreographers from John Wick because that it was like that man it was so quick and bap, 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 and all of it was really well choreographed I mean everybody looked legit while they were doing it too like really smooth really solid action yeah they weren't moving awkwardly they definitely trained how to fight and definitely had a good choreographer behind it that wait for the signal scene was so great in Booker and Niles chemistry during that just talking while he's yeah. just waiting and packing the bag slowly while she's freaking out and then Andy's just effing everyone up. It was such a well done choreographed scene cutting back and forth between humor and also the action. I do want to bring up Dudley Dursley. Dudley Dursley was great in this as the villain. He's been doing a lot of Netflix films recently and he's skinny and short. I don't do you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the, the, the character that Stephen Merrick, yeah. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. That's all I kept thinking of. It's the British Mark Zuckerberg, man. Kill him. If you haven't watched the Harry Potter films, in it, he's Dudley Dursley, who's Harry's, like, really mean and bullysome cousin that's always bullying him. And when he was a kid, he was real big, really chubby, really bigger kid. And now he's just skinny, and he's been rocking in a lot of different Netflix movies now. He was great in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And to see Netflix has given Dudley Dursley all this work and seeing him be a serious actor was great. He was a villain that you definitely hated, just like a Zuckerberg. Yeah, he, that's all I kept seeing. Like, they were definitely making fun of Zuckerberg and then and Martin Scarelli with that character. 100%, right? Definitely, yes. Martin Scarelli and definitely Zuckerberg. I've been watching Off Topic, but I just watched a documentary that brought up Scarelli. Poor, poor Martin Scarelli. He's still in the pen, man. He'll get out one day. I can't, I can't believe... Well, people are still trying to connect him to uh, DPR, Dead Pirate Roberts. And that was definitely the guy who's in, I think, the guy that was alleged for it. But it's weird that they also try to pin it on Scarelli. And I'm just like, I, I do not think Martin Scarelli was Dread Pirate Roberts. But it's just weird, all the Silk Road stuff. He ended up in a documentary that was talking about it. But yeah, he was definitely a Scarelli type. Zuckerberg. Remember Tom? He was like an evil Tom. Or Tom was always the laid back social media creator remember tom from myspace tom was your first friend man tom would screw you over like merrick he'd want to be like immortal he'd want to find out but like i don't think he would do like the zuckerberg stuff like merrick did i think he'd be a little cooler he'd be like be like I, I, tom seemed laid back he always seemed like that friend that would be there even if you didn't know he was going to be there or even if you asked him to be your friend they'd show up he'd chill out you might sleep on your couch without asking for a few days Tom seemed like that kind of person. Like he just knock up, knock on your door, and be like, "Let's out, let's hang out, man. Let's go skateboarding. Want to smoke a doobie?" Whereas more Zuckerberg seems cold and calculated, and possibly a robot or lizard. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure that like, yeah, like Mark Zuckerberg, if like he could get away with it, he would stab two dudes in his office just for fun, like like Merrick did. You know, like, oh, you guys can't die. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and stab you. <laughs> 
Just because, like, yeah, I'm an evil little shit. <laughs> I just want to make some money. I think you would definitely stab people as well. But, like, back to the movie, there was some really good dialogue. Like, you really like the main characters. Basically, a couple of the immortals in the team get captured and they're being tested and th- there's this nurse and she seems like she kind of has morality but at the same time she's blinded by like what she could find out by this and like the conversations that they had with her i thought was pretty cool too like between joe and nikki and her definitely when nikki yeah telling her that there's always an excuse that humans throughout history will always have an excuse for the terrible things they do and try to blame it on morality when it's really not a moral issue totally was for profit so i mean there's there's a lot to this film there's no like big political message to it but there is just a really nice human element and message to the movie that i thought was really done well it was really good in the comic and i think that they were able to bring it to film perfectly by explaining to what exactly these people's point of even existing are oh i I got when i first saw copley's wall i definitely got goosebumps that's also why i got so pumped at the end just seeing accidentally all the great things they've done. Yeah, and it really kind of just makes it awesome. You know what I mean? It's it, it makes it a superhero movie, even though like there's a lot of stuff against it being one. But at the end of the day, like it's they're probably bigger superheroes than um, definitely anybody in the Snyderverse. <laughs> they're definitely yeah. I mean, they definitely saved more people than Superman did in Man of Steel. <laughs> uh, pow pow. Two people, I think, you saved in that movie. But yeah, they saved, they, I mean, it's astonishing how many people they've saved. And it's even indirectly, just by saving one person, they end up saving millions of lives. And it's kind of touching how mad and sad they get when one of their people get hurt, even though, like, they recover right away. Like, it still pisses them off, and they still get, like, I like that, too. That there was, like, a really humane element to them that even though, like, hey, yeah, we can't die, that, dude, you shouldn't have shot my fucking friend in the face, though, dude. Like, that wasn't cool. Sure, he's better now, but you didn't have to do that, so I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, they have to go through that same, you know, that whole, especially for Nikki and Joe, anytime they see it, it must be just so, such an emotionally, you know, wrenching thing. Even though if they know they come back, there's also that sinking feeling that one time they might not. Luca Marinelli also was great as Nikki. I mean, pretty much the whole cast was great. Their chemistry kind of merely made me laugh. I found out that Marwan Kanzari is a Dutch comedian originally before he got into acting. And he also played Jafar in the Aladdin remake I did not see. I did not know that. When I saw him on his Joe, I was like, this guy's great. He's funny. He's got wit. And then found out he was also Jafar. It was definitely my introduction to him. Also, Chuechuel Ejiofor as Copley was great. I think he always does a great, great job. Yeah, he's always good, especially when he's playing kind of like a accidental asshole. He does bad things, but like he's actually a good guy. He just didn't know that like he was being bad. Like he's always really good at those characters. That seems to be like what he gets cast as too. Like you watch like Serenity or Doctor Strange or like half the shit he's in. Like he's usually like kind of a dick, but like he's on the accidentally on the wrong side of things. That's he's really good at that character. <laughs> he is and he does he does really good at showing different dimensions of each character he's ever played too. He's he's great. I actually wish he'd get more work. I'm glad he's in in this this film series now because i feel like this will be a series because he was in a lot for like the early 2000s and now he's not in as much i mean hopefully dr strange too he has a lot more to do i think he would because he's playing mordo but i really enjoy him every time he's on screen whether he's a villain or a good guy and especially when he's those great characters that are just complicated because yeah at the beginning you kind of hate his ass but by the end you're like okay by the end you're rooting for him almost because you see the human part of him and why he made the choices that he did. I see why you did what you did, but dude, you shouldn't be so fucking naive. You know what I mean? Come on. You you work for the CIA. How can you be you naive? 
trust Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Don't ever believe anything Mark Zuckerberg says. <laughs> or it's I mean, Martin or Martin Scarelli. <laughs> Definitely Martin Scarelli. I mean him either. <laughs> Do not take Bitcoin from Martin Scarelli. And on that hand, Mark Zuckerberg either. Don't accept weird Bitcoin exchanges from Mark Zuckerberg, Martin Scarelli, or people climbing to be them. Never, ever. I mean, I would accept Bitcoin from Shuetual Geoforce, so I mean, maybe I'm naive as well, but he just seems like a fun lad. I would enjoy enjoy getting some Bitcoin from Shuetual. I don't even know if, like how to get Bitcoin, you know what I mean? I guess you got to like, like you got to set up a digital wallet or something. It's not worth it. You have to go on dangerous sites that you potentially expose your expose your accounts to you're, you'd only be able to do it if you really are able to hide all your information but yeah you basically have to create a digital wallet on an app and then just trade money and then hope the price goes up and it's always up and down so like a dollar of us cash can be worth seven dollars bitcoin one day and then two days later it's worth like 60 cents because that's how fluctuating the market is so you have to just constantly watch it and then when it's really up and the price is up you have to spend it then or cash out that's, that's all rich people shit i don't get it man like i'll just go ahead and I use regular money. Okay. It's not. Yeah, money's fine. <laughs> it's not like I'm trying to buy like at-home lobotomy kits off the black market or something. You know what I mean? Exactly, and it is mostly for the black, the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you only want untraceable money if you're using money for something you probably shouldn't be. Yeah, you use Bitcoin if you trade in, you know, kidnapping and testing immortal soldiers or something. Yeah, like that's that's type of shit. Yeah, and definitely, like I said, it's especially doing any kind of Bitcoin transaction with Mark Zuckerberg is definitely shady, so I'd be worried. Well, it's definitely you're going to get hacked and found out about because I'm pretty sure all his Bitcoin things go through Cambridge Analytica and all the other crap that he sells our information through. Yeah, I have not been on Facebook now for almost four years, and I'm so glad, mostly because I know he sells data to the FBI and Cambridge Analytica. I got kicked off two years ago, probably almost two and a half now, so... I don't miss it. I miss a couple people on there that aren't on Twitter, but whatever. That's about it with me. Is I just miss being able to touch, keep in touch with most of them. But now I can on Instagram. And Instagram, I don't have to actually interact on ever. So it's a little bit better. But all right, party people. That was The Old Guard. You can stream it now on Netflix. It has been playing for about two weeks, I think. And it's definitely worth your time. It, this movie rocks you got any last words you want to say about it michael it definitely watch it it definitely rocks and it's so faithful to the original comic and it looks real pretty too if you have a nice tv definitely watch it and enjoy the action enjoy the characters all right you can find me on twitter at johnny alpha 81 and on youtube at graphic vandalism and you can find me on twitter as poet air 33 and you can find the show on twitter at nerds from we are a proud member of the nerdy legion podcast network and we'd really appreciate it if you guys might check out another show or two on the network but until then aloha show some love have a great night